the prize of heaven.
boys and girls can hop and skip and play. But when their teachers call to them, they listen and obey. This is the way these boys and girls can find a place to hide. But when their mothers call to them, they quickly come inside. This is the way these boys and girls can climb a tree so tall. But they come climbing down again when they hear Daddy call. Singing is an awesome way to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Intrude? How can a wife intrude upon her husband? My husband is also His Majesty the King. To approach the King without permission is inviting disaster. Oh, we're not at court, we're at home. Here you are my wife. But you are busy thinking, dreaming. So I am intruding. Dreaming? <laughs> Perhaps. Thinking? Surely. And studying. I never cease to study and marvel at the things of nature. Through an understanding of nature, I, I hope to gain a clearer conception of the Creator. In the forces of nature, in the mineral and animal world, and in every tree and shrub and flower, I see a revelation of God. And I study these things so that I may increase the fame and honor of God and of Israel, His people. A very revealing little speech, but... Aren't you already famous? Your wisdom is not surpassed by anyone. Your riches are beyond counting. Israel is at peace with all nations. Far-reaching power is yours. What more can my lord and husband desire? Oh, my dear Nema, it is only through the favor of God that I possess power and wisdom and understanding. I seek to increase these things only that I may give to the world a greater knowledge and love of the King of Kings. I... I came to the garden to ask my lord and husband a favor, a great favor. Just ask, and it shall be so. My husband is a master at composing proverbs and songs. Make up a song and sing it about me, please. So that is all you wish. Will you? All right, my dear. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet, and thy speech is as a flowing brook. Thou art all fair, my love. Thou hast ravished my heart. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. His songs were a thousand and five, and he spake three thousand proverbs. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. 
scribe. Yes, your majesty. I hear that David, king of Israel, is dead, and that his son, Solomon, reigns on Israel's throne. It is true, my sovereign. I always admired David, and it is rumored that Solomon is almost as wise and just a king as was his father. I'd like to know him, find out what sort of man he is. Although I know he cannot be nearly as wise and just and merciful as David was. Therefore, write a message on a scroll to King Solomon, and send it by messenger. Write these words on the scroll. Solomon, King of Israel and son of David, greetings and salutations. This is a good message from Hiram, King of Tyre. I appreciate his concern. Your father, King David, thought a lot of his majesty, King of Tyre. Well, I can see why. Hiram seems a wonderful king and man. I think I'll send you personally to see him and deliver a message. I shall be delighted to visit Tyre, your majesty. When you stand before the king, give him this message. Thou knowest, O king, how David my father could not build an house unto the Lord our God, for he was a man of war and shed blood. But the Lord God of Israel hath given me peace and rest on every side. So I shall devote my time to the building of the temple planned by my father. Now therefore, Hiram, great, great and, and mighty, mighty king, king of Tyre, I desire that you command thy people to hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon. I shall send many of my servants to help thy servants. For thou knowest that there is not among Israel any man with the skill to hew timber like unto thy talented Sidonians. I shall pay well thy servants. <laughs> Why, I can hardly believe it. And yet it must be true. Oh, and blessed be the God of Israel who hath given David, my dear friend, a wise and understanding son to rule in his stead. Solomon, son of David and king of Israel, is wise, and it is being told that he judged two women, two mothers who appeared before him, both claiming to be the mother... Yes, I heard about that, but I didn't believe it until this moment. It is a wise judge who would think to use the sword to provide the proof of which woman was the real mother. <laughs> oh, you're a very fortunate man, sir, to be the royal scribe to Solomon. Thank you, Your Majesty. And may I inquire if His Majesty has a message he wishes me to give to my lord, Solomon, King of Israel? Yes, there is. There most certainly is. Let me see now. I, uh, I want you to say to Solomon, Greeting, Solomon, son of my friend David, and wise and understanding ruler of Israel, I, Hiram, king of Tyre, have considered the things which thou askest of me to build a temple unto your God. I will do all thy desire concerning the timber of cedar and fir. My servant shall bring the timber down from Lebanon by the sea. There it shall be put in floats and conveyed to the place that thou shalt direct. I will have it put ashore, and thou shalt receive it, and build the temple to your God that David so long desired. According to your desire, I shall receive food for my servants in exchange for the timber or cedar and fir. Ah, we shall have the needed material to build the temple, thanks to father's old friend Hiram, king of Tyre. Scribe, 
Have Adoniram come before me at once. Long live the king. Adoniram, you have long been associated with the affairs of David, my father. You know how he yearned to build unto God a temple, and how the task of building it has fallen to my lot. Yes, your majesty. I have just received word from Tyre that King Hiram will furnish the needed cedar and fir lumber. I want you to secure 30,000 volunteers from among Israel to go to Tyre and help cut down the trees and haul them to the sea. You will be in charge. Send them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month by courses. A month they will remain at work and two months at home. Then back to work for another month and so on. Get together 70,000 men to carry things from the seaside and the mountains to Jerusalem. You will be in charge. Appoint yourselves overseers so that the work will progress smoothly, swiftly. Take 80,000 men into the mountains to cut down trees and hew them into materials for the temple and its appointments. There began the work of collecting and preparing added material for Solomon's temple. There were at least 183,000 men at work, some in the forests of Tyre cutting down great trees. Some made it in hauling the logs to the sea. Some unloaded and pulled the logs ashore at Joppa. Others pull the logs across the land to Jerusalem. Still others did all sorts of hard work. For there was peace in Israel, and the temple of their God was a building according to the wish and plan of David. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at one 800 634 That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
Pastor Perez. Well, hi, Hannah. Why are you sitting here in an empty church? Oh, I, I love to listen to Mrs. Peterson practice the organ. So soothing. And what are you doing here on a warm Wednesday afternoon? I wanted to ask you a question about last week's sermon. Okay. You said that prayer is really important, right? Right. Well, if God knows everything about us and knows exactly what we need... Why do we need to pray? Wow, Hannah, I am proud of you. You really listened to my sermon. I'll bet you're thinking about the text I read in Matthew that says that God sends rain on both the just and the unjust, those who love him and those who don't. The just pray, the unjust don't. But both receive the gift of rain. So if God is going to do things for us anyway, why ask him for stuff? It would be like me saying to my mom, please give me breakfast. She's going to fix me breakfast whether I ask for it or not because she loves me. Exactly. Your mom and God act out of love and love doesn't require anything of the other person. So maybe asking God for things isn't how we should always pray. What do you do when your mom fixes you a delicious breakfast? I say, hey, thanks, mom. Great oatmeal. And? And that's what I should say to God. Thank you for your blessing. Now you're on the right track, Hannah. Our prayers should reflect our gratitude for the many blessings God has given us, even when we don't ask for them. Sometimes we get so busy wishing for things we don't have that we forget to thank God for the many blessings we've already received. The next time I pray, I'm going to do a lot more thanking and a lot less asking. And I'm going to thank God for young people who actually listen in church. That's a real blessing. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story shows you how great it is to have a pet and how sad it can be when a pet disappears. While Jenny and her friend Natalie search for clues about what happened to Butterscotch, Jenny learns some important lessons about forgiveness. Chapter 1. Butterscotch Disappears Jenny Wallace rolled Butterscotch's beat-up old play mouse in her fingers as a tear slipped down her cheek. She missed her cat. Three weeks ago, Butterscotch disappeared. She didn't run away. Jenny knew she would never do that. Either someone had stolen her, or she was... Jenny couldn't even think about that. Taking Butterscotch's mouse, Jenny walked over to the window and opened it. A little breeze tugged on her hair. She stared out into the darkness. Come home, Butterscotch, she called softly. Somewhere out there, Butterscotch was waiting for Jenny to find her. Maybe if she waited just a little longer, Butterscotch would run up the driveway and into her arms. Finally, she gave up and closed the window. Flopping onto her bed, she covered her face with her hands and thought back for the thousandth time. Back to when it all started. Back to the day of Mrs. Shue's announcement. In her mind, it happened all over again. Hurry, Mom, Jenny urged her mother. She leaned forward as if she could make the car go faster. Mrs. Wallace glanced over at the excited expression on Jenny's face. Why are you in such a hurry this morning, she asked with a laugh. Mrs. Shue said that she has a surprise for us today, Jenny explained. Then she saw a twinkle in her mother's eye. Hey, wait a minute. Mom, do you know what Mrs. Shue is going to tell us? Jenny asked. Her mother smiled. It's no secret. At least, it won't be after today. 
No matter how hard Jenny begged, her mother wouldn't give even the tiniest little hint about the surprise. I don't want to spoil Mrs. Shue's announcement, was all she would say. Well, fine, Jenny said as she gave up. For a second, she sat with her arms folded and tried to look mad, but she was too excited to be that still. She twisted in her seatbelt and stared out the window at a big jet taking off from the airport. I wish I was the pilot of that plane, she thought. I'd turn it around and head straight to the shoebox. I said, do you know your memory verse? Jenny's mom repeated. Jenny? Huh? Jenny jerked as she snapped back to where she really was, in the car. My memory verse? It's, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Matthew seven twelve. Jenny repeated quickly. Mrs. Wallace beamed. I'm so proud of you, Jenny. You've learned every memory verse for this entire quarter. Jenny squirmed as a happy flush stole over her face. Every time she learned all her memory verses, she got to choose a reward. Mom, she shrieked, stop the car. Mrs. Wallace pulled into a parking space. Why? Because we're here. Jenny smiled sweetly before she bolted from the car and into the church. Before she even opened the door to the shoebox, Jenny heard a low buzzing as if there was a swarm of angry bees inside. Her hand felt slippery as she turned the doorknob. The buzz stopped the moment she opened the door and stepped inside. Once everyone saw it was Jenny and not Mrs. Shoe, the buzz started again. Jenny stepped quickly over to where her friend Dee Dee was talking to Willie and a stranger. The tall boy had very short hair and a sour frown. He tapped one of his huge, unlaced, high-top sneakers on the floor impatiently. "'Where's Mrs. Shoe? Jenny asked in a whisper, although she wasn't really sure why she was whispering in the first place. "'She's not here yet,' Dee Dee said, as if Jenny couldn't see that for herself. "'Jenny, this is,' Dee Dee began." But before she could finish, Mrs. Shue opened the door and stepped inside. She smiled at them as they all found seats and looked up at her, waiting to hear what the surprise was. I have something to tell you all, Mrs. Shue began breathlessly. Jenny thought she could almost feel the floor tip as everyone leaned forward to hear what Mrs. Shue had to say. We're going to have a family day here at the church. It will be in the parking lot. There will be a big picnic, some fun games, displays by all the classes, and a pet show. At the words pet show, Jenny gasped. Dr. Gibbons, the veterinarian, will judge the pet show. A blue ribbon will be awarded to the animal that has had the best care. But the owners will also be judged. The winning pet's owner must be able to answer questions about caring for his or her pet. Butterscotch is going to win that blue ribbon, Jenny whispered to Dee Dee, not taking her eyes off Mrs. Shue, who wasn't finished yet. Pastor Hill has also promised to give us a booth to run, Mrs. Shue continued, but we have to decide what kind of booth. I thought we might want a nature display. What do you all think? Suggestions came from all over. It seemed like every kid in the shoebox, except for Jenny and the stranger, had an opinion about what their display should be. Jenny was busy planning her speech for the time when she and Butterscotch would win the blue ribbon. She didn't even notice that the stranger was frowning so hard it looked as if his mouth might slide right off his face. Okay, quiet, everyone, Mrs. Shue held up her hands. I think the best plan is to have a nature table. Everyone be on the lookout for nature things that we can display. After church, Jenny looked around for Maria, but she found Dee Dee and the stranger. Jenny, I want you to meet my cousin, Tevin Ryan, Dee Dee said. He and his family will be staying with us for a few days. They're moving into a neighborhood near yours. Hello, Jenny said, smiling. I didn't know Dee Dee had a cousin who was our age. I'm not your age. I'm ten. Tevin said, tipping his nose toward the ceiling. Oh, will you be going to family day? Jenny asked politely, studying the bottom of Tevin's chin. Tevin's nose dropped until it was pointing directly at Jenny. Why would I want to go to your old family day? Where I'm from, we have a big fair, not some poor excuse for fun. 
I think this will be fun, Jenny said quietly, wondering to herself why Tevin was determined not to be nice. Her memory verse flashed through her mind. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Why are your lips moving, Tevin asked suddenly, looking at Jenny as if he expected her to break out in purple spots and crow like a rooster next. Were they? Jenny's hand flew up to cover her mouth. I was just remembering something. Well, you ought to remember it with your mouth closed or someone might think you're losing your marbles, Tevin advised. Come on, Dee Dee, let's find your parents and go. I'm starving. Dee Dee shrugged as Tevin grabbed her arm and yanked her along like a rag doll. Jenny, Maria's little sister Yo-Yo tugged on Jenny's sleeve. I'll help you look for them. Jenny tore her eyes from Dee Dee and Tevin and looked down at Yo-Yo. Help me look for what, Yo-Yo, she asked. The marbles that boy said you lost, Yo-Yo said. Jenny smiled. He didn't really mean I had any marbles to lose, Jenny tried to explain. I'll give you some of my marbles, Yo-Yo offered. Luckily for Jenny, Maria walked up. Here you are, Yo-Yo, Maria said. Mom is looking for you. As Yo-Yo skipped away, Maria turned to Jenny. Do you want to come eat dinner with us today? My mom said to invite you and your mother. Not today, Jenny replied. We're going on a picnic and a hike to celebrate. Celebrate what? Maria asked curiously. I won the memory verse challenge last night, so Mom told me we could do something I wanted to do today. Well, keep your eyes open for stuff to show on our nature table, Maria said. I can't wait for family day. Me either, Jenny answered. But she wasn't thinking of the nature table. She was thinking about butterscotch and a blue ribbon. of her today is a chapter of the shoebox kids book three jenny's catnapped cat written by celeste perino walker edited and created by jerry d thomas and used with permission from the pacific press publishing association if you're interested in any other books published by the seventh day adventist church please visit adventistbookcenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955 This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.